0: You know, I, I'm having to get used to your pastor saying Tom Atkins, but, and I know the reason he does it is because there's three of us in here. And it's confusing if you're not. I, uh, I preached across England uh, for three months one time, and uh, I didn't realize this, but you know, the sample name here, what you put on a form, is John Doe. You know what the sample name is in England? Tommy Atkins. And every time I told anybody my name, they would say, okay, come on. What is your real name? Rudyard Kipling wrote a poem. It's Tommy this or Tommy that, but it's thank you, Mr. Atkins, when the band begins to play. And he was just a little confusing. So anyway, um, I do have some books back there. I did not write the books. Uh, I haven't got to that stage in my life. When I get to heaven, I'll probably write some. Uh, This Day with the Master by Dennis Kinlaw, the best devotional book I've ever read uh they're back there uh i don't know if there are any of these left back there on tiptoe with joy i only had a few i got one left up here if you want it but um, every christian ought to be reading you cannot grow in the christian life without reading you need to read scripture but you also need to read some good classics i'm, I'm doing a a uh, a book club with uh, some folks right now and we're getting into the real classics uh the jonathan edwards and just just you know, just some good stuff, C.S. Lewis, and just stuff that I know I've read before, but just need to read it again, for me at least. Uh, tomorrow night, I'm not sure where I'm going. I, I think I, mi- I announced earlier that I'd probably would be preaching on how to walk on water. I preached on that another revival, and a smart aleck preacher, I, I run across those occasionally, a smart aleck preacher came up and uh, walked in with a pair of floaties on. He said, I didn't really trust you, preacher. But um, So anyway, we might go there. God may change my mind between now and then, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you'll turn with me, please, to the book of Acts. I hope you've been praying today. Some of you, I asked, all of you last night, I asked to pray about the service tonight. I had. Uh, I'd rather preach on this than any subject I know, because I think it's the most confusing and My background in the Methodist church, uh, most Methodists uh, have no idea what I'm preaching on tonight, Uh, and that's the reason we have such little power in the church today, is because you don't hear this message, and we need to hear it constantly. Uh, What's the power? What's the real power? Um, So if you'll stand with me, please, Acts 1. I'm going to read two sections in the book of Acts, Acts 1, 4 through 8, and then Acts 15, 8 and nine. Before I do that, my mind just never stops. I'm sorry. Um, I also have a sign-up sheet out there. If you'd like to be a prayer partner, uh, I've got about 200, 300 prayer partners. Uh, I need you to pray. The only time you'll hear from me is before I go preach or when I come home. So I I won't inundate you with things. The only other time is December when it's our fundraising time. But other than that, it's just a You need to know where I'm going, what I've done, what happens, and if you'll sign that. And uh, you men, let your wife sign for you because I probably won't be able to read your name when I get home. Acts 1, beginning with verse 4. On one occasion, while he, meaning Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water. But in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and at the ends of the earth. And then if you'll turn over, please, to uh, Acts uh, 15. Just a couple of verses, 8 and 9. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. He did not discriminate between us and them. Here's the key. For he purified their hearts by faith. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Thanks be to God. Thank you. Be seated, please. I have another text that you don't need to stand for I uh, I mentioned earlier that I was a PE major I was planning on going into coaching and God said why don't you go into something less controversial like being a preacher <laughs> <laughs> duh uh, and so my my reading is kind of simple uh, I mean I really am I, I, I love reading theology and I think one of the greatest theologians there is one of my favorite theo, theologian. Uh, is a man by the name of Theodore Geisel. Do you know that name? (laughs) Uh, It goes by the middle name, Dr. Seuss. You don't need to stand for him. (laughs) I want you to listen to this very carefully. This, by the way, is one of the banned books. Don't call anybody. Don't call the sheriff, you know. I have no idea why it's banned. No idea. Said Conrad Caneas O'Donnell O'Dell, my very young friend who is learning to spell. A is for ape and B is for bear, C is for camel, and H is for hare, and M is for mouse, and R is for rat. I know all 26 letters like that. Through to Z is for zebra. I know them all well, said Conrad, canius O'Donnell, O'Dell. So I know everything anyone knows from beginning to end, from start to the close, because Z is as far as the alphabet goes. Then he almost fell flat on his face on the floor when I picked up the chalk and drew one letter more, a letter he had never had dreamed of before. And I said, you can stop if you want with Z, because most people stop with Z, but not me. In the places I go, there are things that I see I never could spell if I stopped with Z. I'm telling you this because you're one of my friends. My alphabet starts where your alphabet ends. I want to tell you, friends, tonight, there's something more. There's something more that maybe you don't know about. I get so tired of hearing preachers say, let's get saved, and then you just fight the devil and struggle all the way to heaven. What's that about? That's not true. It's not that way. What a frustrating way to live as a Christian, to be saved and then just fight and struggle and fight and struggle and just go up and down. I remember my life, I was there. I remember I was going up and down like a seesaw. I mean, it was just crazy. I said, God, I don't know if it's supposed to be this way. If this is the way it's supposed to be, and I was so frustrated in my Christian life, all the way halfway through seminary, I was so frustrated. I even questioned my own faith. Am I a Christian or not? Went back and studied scripture, looked at the disciples. Peter, remember Peter? We may use him tomorrow night. Remember Peter? Lord, I'll never deny you, cock-a-doodle-doo. Lord, get behind me. I'll take care of him. Terrible temper. Was Peter a Christian? Of course he was. He lived and slept right beside the Master. But there was something missing in his life. How about James and John? You know them? They had nicknames. What were they called? Sons of Thunder. It's not because they were great United Methodist evangelists. It's because they had terrible tempers too. And and I thought about that, and I thought about my life, and, and, and my life going up and down and up and down. I knew I was a Christian, and I said, Lord, I don't think it's supposed to be this way. If this is the way it's supposed to be, and I was very honest, I wasn't sure I wanted to continue in it because it was so hard, so frustrating. So I had a choice to make, and I made the choice that I was a Christian, but there was something missing. Now, the question I ask you tonight is, do you really believe God leaves us that way, frustrated, up and down, wishy-washy, in and out? And here's another question. Don't answer it out loud. You'll be embarrassed. Do you think it's possible? Is it it possible to live a continually victorious Christian life? I want to tell you folks, not only is it possible, it's supposed to be the norm. Now, I didn't say you wouldn't make mistakes. I didn't say you wouldn't have problems. But it's it's possible, and that's what we're talking about here. It's possible to live a victorious Christian life all the time. It really is. And I'll get to why in a minute, and I'll, I'll prove it to you. If it is possible, what would it take? It'll take a power so far greater than me and so far greater than you, a power to enable us to do what we can't do ourselves. Because every time we try to do it ourselves, we'll strike out. But, oh, God wants a home run from us. He wants us to stay with him. And I'll show you what I'm talking about in just a minute. Uh, Paul, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, says there's one thing you lack. (laughs) What's that? One thing you lack. Jesus said, stay in Jerusalem. There's something more to it. 120 people gathered together. Ten days, upper room. Their lives were changed dramatically at one time. Some people call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Scripture calls it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Also calls it the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the filling of the Holy Spirit. Scripture is a commandment, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, scripture also calls it sanctification. John Wesley called it perfect love or Christian perfection. Some people call it or second work of grace. I don't care what you call it. I just want it to happen. And I want it to happen to every believer. It is a second work of grace. The first work is your salvation. The second grace is being filled with the Holy Spirit. And God expects that. The Scripture teaches that. I got desperate. I don't know if you're desperate. If you're not desperate, this won't make any sense probably. But I was desperate for more than I had. I was was crying out, Lord... I can't bear this way I'm trying to live anymore. I know I'm going to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I want to be in heaven here on earth. I want to be filled now. I was so desperate. You got to want it. If you're satisfied with the way you are, it's just kind of turn me off, okay? There's a couple of scriptures that I want to I want to share with you that, I, that are so important, and, and I'm going to go as fast as I can, so you better put your seatbelts on. I've, got, I've just got tons of things to do tonight. Um, what time's the voting tomorrow? Um, I, I want to start out with, with the book of Romans, and I want to, what I want to do is deal with um, two chapters in the book of Romans in about three minutes. Can you handle that? Yes? Where's my ladies with the amen sign that we're going to bring tonight? My preaching's better than your amen Romans 7 is the hardest passage of Scripture for me to read out loud. I get tongue-tied. I just can't do it. And so I'm going to give you the Tom Atkins, Georgia paraphrase. When I preach up north, I have to have an interpreter. But I'm going to give you the Tom Atkins paraphrase of Romans 7. Is that all right? Paul's speaking. Here he says, what's wrong with me? What's going on in my life? I'm, I'm frustrated. I'm trying to live a Christian life. I'm trying to do what you want me to do, God. I just don't know what's wrong. I'm just so frustrated. That's kind of a real rough paraphrase. Now, I'm going to say it again. Of course, it won't be the same way because I remember that way I just said it, but it'll be similar. You pick out this one key word. Paul says, I don't know what's wrong with me. But hey, let me read some of that to you. I wasn't going to do that, but let me do that. Uh, I am unspiritual, a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what i don 't want to do I do what i don 't what i do i don 't want to do I hate doing it. I agree the law is good he goes on and on and on what 's the key word there i that little word i Paul is saying i i i i i me 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 i 'm trying my best I want to lose. I want to do devotions I want to pray I want to witness I want to be tithe i i And he's just so frustrated, he can't do it because he's trying to do it this I. Gosh, that's frustrating. But then you get to Romans 8. Somebody say, praise God for Romans 8. Hallelujah, you didn't leave us in Romans 7. Romans 8. The word I in the first 17 verses of Romans 8 is gone. It's It's not there at all. You got got 17 eyes, 17 eyes in Romans 7. You get to Romans 8, you have zero. But there is a key word or words, and it's the Holy Spirit. You got the Holy Spirit 16 times in 17 verses. Are you with me? Here's Paul I, 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 me, me, me. I hate this life. It's not worth it to be a Christian. I'm trying my best. And then you got, but the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit speaks through me. The Spirit sings through me. The Spirit works through me. The Spirit gives me peace. It's the Spirit. Are you with me? Now, now you can be a Christian in Romans 7. But you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit in Romans 8 and be victorious. Another passage of scripture. Um, the book of First Thessalonians is a uh, is a key book for me. Uh, it, it's it's um, Paul is talking and, and bragging on the church at Thessalonica, okay. Let me just zip through the first two chapters really quick. I'm just going to jump over a bunch. You'll have a hard time staying with me. He starts it off, the church of the Thessalonians, God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, he says, we always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before God our Father, your work is produced by faith. Your labor is prompted by love. Your endurance is inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Paul had some good churches and he had some bad churches. Corinth's church was bad. This church, what's he say? This says it's a great church. Did you catch that? This is what he says about that church. He says you got great faith, great labor, great love, great endurance, and great hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a good church. He keeps going on. um, uh, For brothers and sisters, verse uh, 4, loved of God, chosen by you, Because of the gospel, and he just goes on and on. Uh, Verse 7, you became a model. This is a model church. Chapter 2, verse 13, we also thank God continually, listen to this, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it. There was no arguing. There was no questions. They just said, where do we sign the line? We want to join. Not Not as a human word it wasn't, he said, but it actually is the word of God. For you, brothers and sisters, became imitators of God's churches in Judea, the great churches. Are you with me? Paul is bragging. He can't brag anymore about a church. This is a model church. But you get over to chapter 3, verse 10. Night and day we pray most earnestly, still talking to the same church here, that we may see you again, and here's the key, And supply what is lacking in your faith whoa wait a minute Paul you've been bragging on this church for two chapters here it's the best church going and now you're saying I want to come see you because there's something lacking now I won't take the time to go into what's lacking but chapters 4 and 5 tell you what's lacking it's basically they were not stabilized they were the wishy-washy. They were the up and down. They loved Jesus, but they just didn't have the power. So this is just a little scriptural background. I want to give you now some, uh, some historical background of what I'm talking about from some of the great preachers, a couple of the great preachers in, in all of America that all of us ought to know about. <clears throat> the first one is Charles Finney. Now let me back up. The chief characteristic of being filled with the Holy Spirit is supernatural love. Now, you check it out. You can say some other things if you want to and that's fine. But that is the chief characteristic. So you listen to that. Charles Finney was a, was a young lawyer, got saved. Praise God, lawyers are getting saved. He had, a, he had a deep conviction of sin in his life. October the 10th, 1821, He walks outside of town, and this is he had just gotten saved. Nobody had ever talked to him about being filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't even know there was such a thing, never heard of it. He'll say that here, so just listen up here. Um, Here's what he says. I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Spirit without any expectation of it. This this guy's one of the greatest evangelists of all times. Without any expectation of it, without ever having the thought in my mind there was any such thing for me. Without any memory of ever hearing the thing mentioned by any person in the world, the Holy Spirit descended upon me in a manner that seemed to go through me, body and soul. I could feel the impression, like a wave of electricity going through me and through me. Indeed, it seemed to come in waves of liquid love, for I could not express it in any other way. It seemed like the very breath of God. I can remember distinctly that it seemed to fan me like immense wings, no words can express the wonderful love that was spread abroad in my heart. I wept aloud with joy and love. These waves came over me and over me and over me, one after the other, until I remember crying out, I shall die if these waves continue to pass over me. I said, Lord, I can't bear it anymore. And yet I had no fear of death. I can't bear it anymore. How would you like to be in a state where you say, God, bless Tom, I can't handle any more. Give it to him a little bit. Wow. Dwight L. Moody. You familiar with the D.L. Moody? Moody Institute, Chicago? Obviously one of the greatest evangelists in American history. Sounds a little familiar. Listen to him. These are his words. I was crying all the time that God would fill me with his spirit. Well, one day in the city of New York, oh, what a day. I cannot describe it. I can only say that God revealed himself to me, and I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. (laughs) Back off. Back off, God. That doesn't excite you. Your wood is wet. And I had such an experience of his love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. I I went to preaching again. This guy's been an evangelist for a while when this happened. The sermons were not any different. I didn't present any truths, and yet hundreds were converted. I would not now go back, place back before that blessed experience if you would give me all the world. It would be as a small dust of the balance. I, um, I think I mentioned last night or yesterday morning, I'm not sure what, um, about the great revival that happened at Asbury. I uh, tell you a story there that, did I Did I tell you the story about the newsman yesterday? It seemed like I did. Maybe not. You need to hear it again. I need to tell it again. Um, revival broke out at Asbury College on one side of the street, Asbury Seminary's on the other. I'm at Asbury Seminary. I went to Asbury College, and I knew there were a bunch of weird college kids over there, and, and we were... On this side of the street, we were very mature theological students, skeptical. So when chapel didn't end in an hour, and it didn't end in 185 straight hours day and night, day and night, And I went up there one morning at 4 o'clock in the morning. There were 400 kids in there praying and pray, praising God and praying for the lost loved ones. It was a revival of repentance. College students standing up repenting of sin. No preaching. You could go anytime, day or night, for over a week. People were drawn in from all of the United States. Teams went out to all schools, especially Christian schools across the nation. And every time they would share about the revival at Asbury, it broke out wherever they were. Marvelous. I had a great experience this morning, by the way, at lunchtime. Uh, Chris invited me to go to lunch with he and a bunch of preachers. he didn't tell me most of them were Baptist and um, in fact, we were the only two Methodists there and um, I was in line with the pastor right across the street, Charlie whoever yeah, and um, he just happened to mention something about my background or something, I said, I went to Asbury College and Asbury Seminary. He said, were you there during the revival? So we got together and we we were eating lunch. We got through with lunch and they started talking. They started about, talking about revival. And he said, uh, said Brother Atkins, would you, uh, would you share with us about the Asbury revival? And all these preachers were just eating it up. It was written up in Christianity Today, so Baptists have read it. But it was just... That's, that's the kind of thing I was talking about. But I didn't believe it. I was skeptical. I was a seminary student. One of the requirements to be a seminary student is you be skeptical of anything religious, you know? So I was skeptical. It was just a bunch of kids. It's emotional. It's just emotional. There was no preaching. People were standing up all day and night repenting of sin. People would come in off the street, repent of sin. It's a marvelous thing. But I didn't believe it. One night, one morning at 4 o'clock in the morning, I woke up. Susan and I, we, we had our first home. It was a 10 by 55 foot New Moon trailer. 10 feet wide. So when you get out of bed at 4 o'clock in the morning, your wife understands you're getting out of bed. She said, where are you going? I said, I'm going up to the college. She said, it's 4 o'clock in the morning. It'll be locked up. I said, maybe it is, but I've got to go. I just, I've got to go up there. I got dressed and drove up there, and, of course, it was dark. And, but I noticed there were lights on inside of Hughes Auditorium. Seats about 1,200, huge thing. And um, I walked up the steps, long flight of steps, walked up the steps, pulled on the door, and it opened. And to my amazement, there were probably 400 kids in there, four o'clock in the morning singing praise songs, worshiping, praying for lost loved ones. I still didn't get it. Got home that afternoon. I'd gone to work. I I loaded freight during the day and studied at night. I'm not sure when I went to class. But um, got home, and um, I know exactly what time it was. It was 6 p.m. on the dot. That's when the local news came on from Lexington, the ABC affiliate. I was sitting on the couch reading the paper, I think Susan was cooking in, in the kitchen and, and uh, the anchor man who'd been the anchor man on that station for years and years and years, said something like this. He said, I know that you're during the time of the news, you're probably not giving the news your full attention. It's just kinda on and you're doing something else. And he said, But I'd like you to put everything down just for a minute and give me about sixty seconds. He said, I've just been on the campus of Asbury College in Wilmore, Kentucky. I went there as a reporter to report on an unusual phenomenon that's taking place. He said, I'd like you just to listen. I want to tell you what God's done in my life. And friends, I fell on my face right there. I said, God, if you can do something for that man, you can do something for this poor preacher guy. And God filled me with his spirit that night. And he continues to fill me day and night. And that's what God wants to do to all of us. I, um, so, so, so how does it happen? Well, you've got to want it. And then there's two parts. There's your part and there's God's part. Your part is surrender. That I surrender part, I surrender all. It's full, total, complete surrender. God's part is he does the filling and you accept it by faith. How are you saved you're saved by faith? How are you filled with the Holy Spirit by faith? the same way you get to that point and you ask and you believe i um, it's kind of like a high pressure low pressure map you know a weather map if you see it has, a, has an h and an l on there, and high pressure always goes from a high pressure to a low pressure. The low pressure sucks in the weather, uh, and so when you surrender, when you give and you say, "I give you." Everything I know about, I give you my family, I give you my problems, I give you my life, I give you my children. I give you everything. I, give, I surrender all. I give it to you. And God, would you fill me? That's the part of the Spirit that comes into your life and fills you. You see, you've got to be empty because you can't be full of something when you're full of something else. And when you're full of self and problems and you've got your own agenda, that has to go. And then the Spirit, by faith, comes into your life. i want to tell you two stories that I'm through. Um, I want to give you an illustration. The illustration is uh, the best I have ever heard. I have no idea where I got it. I've, I've been using it so long, I've convinced myself I made it up. Nobody's told me where they've heard it before, so I guess I, maybe I, I don't think I did. I'm not that smart, but I, I got it. Some, it's great. All the theology that I preach tonight is right here in this one illustration. It's very simple. Um, there's, a, there's a Coca-Cola bottle. You guys remember the old Coca-Cola bottles, how they were, you know, they were shaped and all, glass bottles and all? There's a Coca-Cola bottle. And on the inside of it, you have to picture this, okay? You with me? Back row? Praise God, she is taking notes. Don't stop taking notes. Just listen. The Coca-Cola bottle halfway down is a petition. Let's say it's a cardboard petition so that it's cut the exact same dimension as the inside of the bottle so that if you were to put something in the top of the bottle, it couldn't go to the bottom of the bottle because of the petition. Does that make sense? Yes? If it doesn't, I'll start all over. You guys got it? Okay. Okay. So you put some gas, not gasoline, but gas. You put some gas in the top. You put the cork on it. So now you've got to picture this. You've got gas in the top, nothing in the bottom because of the petition. You put the bottle up on a shelf. The kids come running through the house. They're fighting back and forth. One of them hits the wall, bounces off it, and it, the bottle falls off. It doesn't break. But as the bottle rolls across the floor, that petition moves just a little bit. And it allows the gases in the top to now totally fill the entire bottle. That's the theology. That petition needs to move and the gas, the spirit that's in you. See, when, you, you, when you're saved, you, don't, you can't divide the Trinity up. When you get saved, you can't just get part of him, okay? You don't get Jesus. You get Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the Father. Okay, that's, that's heresy to divide the Trinity up. And so the Holy Spirit is there, but the Holy Spirit hasn't filled, okay? Until you come to this point, and you remove the petition, you say, God, I want all of you. I want you to fill me so much. Some of you are understanding this right now. It's just now dawning. It's happening. I want you to fill me. And that's what he does. And here's the last story. One of my professors at seminary was a man by the name of Dr. Den, uh, Dr. Uh, Kenneth Kinghorn. Dr. Kinghorn was a wonderful writer, especially on things of the Holy Spirit. And he tells this story about a, a couple that lived in Appalachia, in eastern Kentucky. And he said they lived back in a holler. You know what a holler is? I'll try preaching this in Florida. It just don't go. <laughs> Somebody told me the other day, I used to live in a holler, and the sun comes up at 10 o'clock in the morning and goes back down at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> But he said, these folks lived so far back in your holler, you had to pump oxygen into them. I mean, it was the sticks way, way back there. <laughs> word came, uh, and, and they had no electricity in the holler, okay? They just didn't have it. it nobody would bring a power line back that far back. But the word came, the rumor came that they were going to get power. And the rumor seemed to be true, and they got so excited. They went out in the backyard and started digging. You know what they were digging? They were digging their money up. They didn't trust banks, and so they put their money in mason jars and coffee cans and buried it in the backyard. They went out, And they had a lot of money. If you don't have to pay power bills, you got a lot of money, you know. So they had all this money. They went into town. They hired an electrician. He came out. He wired the house. Then they went back into town and took their money back with them, and they spent every penny they had. Can you imagine, ladies, can you imagine, when you didn't have electricity, what you could buy? You know, a stove, a refrigerator, a, a Lights, lamps, uh, fans, uh, dishwasher. I mean, you just go on and on and on. And they did. Spent it all. Had it all delivered. Took it out of the boxes. Plugged them in. Read the instructions. Went and sat on the front porch. They had a front porch with two rockers. And you could see down the holler, a little windy road, a little windy gravel road just went for miles down the holler. And so the first day they sat out there and they just rocked. And they looked. Nothing happened. Second day they rocked and looked and nothing happened, but the third day they saw two little orange things way down the holler in the road. and They were stopped, and then all of a sudden they get a little closer and, stop. and they stopped. And when they got a little closer, they figured out what they were. They were the power company trucks. And they, they just kept and they and they had a they had a big auger drill bit and they drilled a hole in the ground. And they had a power pole and they put a pole in the ground, had a bunch of cable on a, on a spool and they'd roll the the cable up there, the wire up there and they'd drill a hole, put a pole, run a wire, drill a hole, put a pole, run a wire. The closer they got to the house, the more excited the couple got. They were going to get electricity. But a sad thing happened about a quarter of a mile from the house. They did what they'd been doing. they drilled a hole, put a pole in the ground, but this time they took a steel cable, they tied it to the top, they ran it to the ground, they put an anchor, and they turned around and they left, and they never came back again. And what makes this story so sad is that the couple... The house was totally, completely prepared to receive the power, but they never got it. That's what Pentecost does. We get the power to live a Christian life. Now, folks, let me tell you, somebody asked me the day, is it, is it an instantaneous thing or a gradual thing? I said, yes. It's just like the new birth. It's, it's, you're born again. There has to be a birth time. But there has to be an, in, an initial infilling of the Holy Spirit. Totally fills your life. But then it's a filling the next day. And then it's, it's, it's an air's tense. It's just, it's just a continual filling. It keeps going and on and on and on. It's like fresh water. Just rolling on and on. That's what we're talking about tonight. And so the question I have for you tonight is, is that what you want? Is it really what you want? Somebody's saying, well, I don't know if it can happen to me. How do you know? here's what we're gonna do real simple uh, the guys are gonna come and play and, and uh, we invite you to um, to come it's gonna be a little different tonight uh, other nights I said I wouldn't bother you unless you put your hand out and nobody put their hand out I don't think so I didn't bother you tonight I want to pray your pastor and I want to pray uh, individually but here's what we're going to ask you and I'm anticipating that when you come my anticipation is that's what you're coming for, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you come for some other reason, uh, just let me know, and we'll pray about that too. But I'm anticipating that you're coming to be filled with the Holy Spirit. When, uh, when you kneel or stand, if you can't kneel, I'm going to ask you one question. Is everything in you know about in your life, that you, is everything surrendered to God that you know about? If you say yes, we're going to simply lay hands on and pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And by faith, not by feeling, but by faith you accept that. And you move forward. Your life will never be the same again. I could give you story after story, which I don't have time tonight to do, about people who it just it just works. It will God will work in your life. Now, if you say no, not everything is surrendered, then I'll have to pray differently. And, and that happens all the time. Um, and I'll, I'll deal with that when the time comes okay does that make sense is that clear tonight or not I, I hope it is um, so we're gonna invite you we're gonna sing and, and of course we're gonna sing what's I surrender all now don't be a hypocrite and sing it if you're not surrendering all okay just keep your mouth shut I hate people to be hypocrites about it I surrender all I give you myself I give you my life I give you my past I give you my future I give you my problems, my anxieties, my fear, my worries. I give you everything. Now would you fill me with your love? Total, complete fill me with your love. And he will. Okay?